to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I am the culture editor at The Bulwark. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Renee Reyes. Uh, Renee, uh, since 2004, has conceived and produced over 800 public programs for the Paley Center for Media. Uh, Mr. Reyes spearheads its annual Paley Fest and, and Paley Fest Fall TV preview franchises. It's ongoing series of conversations with the leading voices in media and its Los Angeles exhibitions. Uh, his programs for the Paley Center have honored the cast and creators of popular television series and icons who have changed or are changing the face of media. And the list here is crazy, guys. It's like Barbara Streisand, Ava DuVernay, Ryan Murphy, Shonda Rhimes, Greg Berlanti, Judd Apatow, Rita Moreno, George Lucas. I can keep going. I won't. I won't. But it's it's just tons and tons of, um, you know, bold face names here. Uh, and I'm really excited to have uh, Renee on to talk about uh, this year's Paley Fest uh, for a bunch of reasons, one of which uh, is that they're returning to in-person programming for the first time in a couple of years. It's been it's been a weird couple of years, Renee, uh, and I, I assume you guys are excited to get everybody back in the Dolby Theater in, in L.A., right? Well, well, first, Sonny, thank you so much for, for that lovely introduction and for all those. My gosh, you know, you, you hear all those names and you, I think, wow, how fortunate I've been to be able to, to, to do those things and, uh, and fortunate to be here today with you. Uh, on your on your show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, in person. My gosh, yes, we've all uh, you know been living this this incredible and challenging experience for the last two years. And um, you know, on on my end with the, with the Paley Center and the events we do, we were aided by technology to be able to bring uh, to transition to virtual events pretty quickly, and to still do a whole range of. Um, Paley Fest and our regular uh, events for the last two years. So having that that opportunity to be able to keep doing that has been, you know, a, a, a great blessing throughout this time. But it's been three years now since I had the chance to since we've had a chance to do Paley Fest in person and with an audience, which is the way that it was founded uh, to be. You know, some yeah. forty years ago almost. So it, it's we're very much looking forward to it. It's very exciting. Well, I mean, it's I, I have never been fortunate enough to attend Paley Fest, but, you know, I do see the YouTube clips and the 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 best thing about watching them is it's not just the folks talking about, you know, what has happened on their TV series. It's not telling their stories. It's the reaction from the crowds. I mean, it's the the laughter and the kind of, you know, everybody being super into it that makes makes it feel like a, a different and kind of special event. I, I think exactly. I think that's exactly it. You know, we watch television in many ways. We watch it in our homes. We watch it on our phones and, and iPads and such. But often we're, we're by ourselves or with our family members or we're seldom in, uh, at the Dolby Theater in, in Hollywood where they do the Oscars with a room full of people who love TV as much as you do. And, and, and the stars of the shows and the cast and the creators as well to right there on the stage. So to have that opportunity to have that communal experience uh, of television uh, with people who love the shows as much as you do, it it just gives a whole different level of energy to the event. I've I found that oftentimes too the the um, cast and especially the creators of the shows haven't had that experience. Obviously, there's all manner of conversation events around uh, around and. and Comic-Con happens, of course, and does sure. great panels. A lot of those are, are genre-specific, um, where our uh, Paley Fest lineup really is the is the whole range of television shows uh, that might not be featured in, in Comic-Con as well. So oftentimes yeah. we'll have, like, we, we run a great screening, usually to something, an unaired episode or forthcoming episode or behind-the-scenes clips as part of the event as well, too. And oftentimes it'll be the first time that... Uh, the cast or the creators have had a chance to see it on a big screen 
with an audience. And that adds a whole different layer to it as well. The energy is surely in the room uh, from the fans and also from the people on stage. Yeah. Well, I, let me ask just, I'll ask one more question about in-person and we'll talk about the actual program here because it's a crazy program. Um, the, uh, in terms of just making people, you know, feel comfortable, are you guys, is it going to be, you know, requiring vaccination proof or, you know, get distant seatings? Like how are you guys handling, you know, continued Absolutely. worry and concern over COVID? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's the most important thing that we've all been dealing with for the last two years and safety and has been at the forefront of all the planning of this festival and the chance to be able to do it back in person. So, you know, we follow the science, we'll be following all the state and local guidelines for live audiences of our size. Uh, the Dolby uh, Theater does uh, require its guests to be either vaccinated or tested within 24 hours and we'll be fully masked throughout the conversation as well too. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, um, that's the most important thing we're, we're doing is ensuring people's safety because you want to be comfortable to have that, uh, that level of enthusiasm. So uh, sure. that's what we will be following all the state and local guidelines for the event. Yeah. Great. Well, let's talk about the actual uh, festival this year, because you, you mentioned that the 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 festival uh, does have a kind of broader kind of gamut of what TV is compared to, say, Comic-Con or something like that. Um, and the, the the one program, weirdly, that jumped the one the one event from the, this year's lineup that jumped out at me was the salute to the NCIS universe, which I find really interesting because NCIS flagship franchise for a major network Tons and tons of people watch it, especially compared to some of the like more critically acclaimed shows like on cable or whatever. Uh, but it doesn't really get the sort of love that those programs get. Um, and I, I want to talk what it's like what it's like to program a show like uh, a, a, a lineup like that for, you know, uh, your festival uh, or just in general. What's the what's what's the vibe and the mood like there? Sure. Well, I, that event in particular, in particular, is one I'm really uh, proud and excited for. It's the biggest event that we've ever done. We've never had that many people <laughs> on stage as part of the event. We have, you know, uh, obviously the, the franchise is beloved. It's sure. been uh, almost 20, 20 years of that we've had NCIS as part of the television landscape. And across those years, it's, it's, retains so much of its fan of its fan base and grown and grown with all these new sort of iterations and spin-offs of the show so for that event in particular we are, we're celebrating ncis the uh, the flagship show ncis los angeles with uh, chris o'donnell and ll cool j who um has been a huge hit for the network as well and then the newest installment ncis hawaii which is the first uh installment to be uh, to have the lead person be uh, a, a woman of color, which adds a whole different layer layer to um, the the structure of the series and makes it exciting for us. So there'll be about 30 different people on stage and we're doing three panels at that event, one panel for each show. So if you get uh, come, come that, that, that uh, afternoon, it's our matinee on our, our closing matinee on Sunday the 10th, you'll be able to see so many stars and three panels for the price of, of one event. Yeah basically. But, you know, the, these shows, um, as you mentioned, they have, they have a huge audience uh, on broadcast television and then on their different streaming iterations on, on, the, on the network for on-demand viewing. Their fans are just as passionate as the fans for 
um, a genre show like Stranger Things or Superman and Lois in Riverdale, which mm-hmm. we which we're featuring uh, at the festival as well. They um, they may not be on social media in the way uh, that that some of these other uh, shows have fan bases you know geared to, but they're certainly there. And it's the NCIS has been one of the most requested shows that we get. I hear from members of our the Paley Center throughout the year because mm-hmm. we're a membership you know based organization and a nonprofit. Um, that they want to see this show. And I also hear from just attendees who've come to our events in the past that they want to have NCIS at the festival. So we're really excited to be able to deliver in a big way. That's interesting. That's interesting. So as as the as the programmer, are you pretty responsive to, uh, you know, member, do do members email you and say, hey, I'd, I'd really like to see, you know, NCIS or uh, CSI or, I mean, you know, succession, whatever. I mean, is that, is, uh, how, how does that, when you are sitting down to, uh, put together a program. How much does that factor into your your thinking? Well, I, I, it it does factor in because the the audience is such a huge part of this event. Obviously, you want to have a festival that people that people come to, and and uh, and I want to be responsive to to what we what we hear from our members. They email and they call, or they uh, you know when we were doing the festival in person, they stop me uh, and and if they saw me and would say, oh, you know, you should do this uh, this event. Um, so it's, it's NCIS is one of our most requested, but we look at a lot of things when we're planning the lineup. It's not just me. We have a, a curatorial team at the Paley Center and we look at what's resonating in television at, at a given time or what's resonated across time, mm-hmm. um, how it fits in the television landscape, how it fits in the continuum of, of the television shows that we've had the pleasure of featuring on our stage, you know, Across the 39 years of the festival, it's been everybody from Lucille Ball to, you know, Amy Poehler. Mm. Uh, so when you run that gamut, you get uh, like this expansive view of what TV has been over across these uh, these decades. And a show like NCIS fits within that continuum because sure. of how um, it's broad appeal. It just it just is 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 a show that has um, attracted an audience in a huge way and continues to do so over time. And that's just really, I mean, they're in uh, season nineteen, I think, mm-hmm. right now, I and mean, that's that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it it is, and it's it's fascinating. Again, you just you just don't hear people talk about these big network TV shows. I think enough. I feel like there's not there's not enough discussion of you know where where the audience is for some of this stuff. Uh, on the other end of the s- spectrum, you do have shows like Hacks, which I love. <laughs> Show I love, love Hacks, but it's on yeah. HBO Max. It's probably not quite as as well seen or well known as NCIS. In terms of uh putting together that that program, you know, are are you targeting a diff- a slightly different audience? How does it, how does it work on your end in terms of attracting an audience for these for these things? I think there, there, there probably is some crossover between the audiences for, for uh, Hacks and This Is Us. And I, I agree with you that a lot of times the broadcast shows do not get uh, as much of the attention in, in the press and, in, and on social media as um, a lot of the other shows that are, you know, in, uh, airing on streaming platforms. Or, and, I, and I think, you know, it's, it's always streaming is still new in a lot of ways, even though we've, we've had it for several years, but we're always more attracted to the to, to what's new and bright and shiny yeah. in terms of what we're writing about, but there is such great work happening on on um, broadcast on on the you know on CBS and ABC and NBC sure. and the CW. Some of the most inventive shows on television. Some of the you know great ensembles on TV. Uh, Hacks 
I mean, Jean Smart has been a part of the festival over the years for a lot of the different series that she's been on. And how phenomenal to, to see uh, where she is right now mm. be, because of uh, not only this show, but the incredible performance in Mayor of Easttown uh, yeah. this year. Yeah. So uh, Hacks, I think, is one of the biggest stories out of, um, out of TV this year. And it's an honor to be able to welcome uh, them to the festival. I'm really looking forward to that one. I imagine that'll be a, a great panel uh, because Gene Smart is also Gene Smart is very, very good uh, in I at least I have heard in live settings, very, you know, funny and personable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so let's let's talk about some more of, of the lineup here. Uh, you mentioned uh, we mentioned the CW and uh, genre stuff. Let's talk about Superman and Lois uh, and Riverdale, which are, uh, you know, again, kind of genre. -y and and mm -hmm. uh, what are we what are we what are you uh, what's what are those panels going to going to look like? What are we doing there? Well, Riverdale has always been a Paley Fest favorite. You know, we, mm -hmm. we, we, we have had the pleasure of celebrating the show from its first season uh, all the way to the, to, to the present day. And the audiences at the festival really love it and really love the, the cast are, are terrific and they're so fun and funny on stage. So it's been, you know, we, we can't do them obviously every year, though, though mm -hmm. some fans want to see them every, every year, <laughs> of course, but it's nice to have them back after a little bit, a little break. And Superman and Lois, you know, I, I I love what that show is doing. Basically, how it's uh, it's really made it a family, like a family a family drama. In some mm -hmm. ways, there's parallels between This Is Us and and uh, what happens on Superman and Lois, except obviously it's Superman and the Kent family <laughs> as a, as opposed to to the family on uh, This Is Us. But the I, I think their their storylines are. Are, are wonderful and I, and I love that they've made it such a family centered uh, show and that that dynamic is great on the show. I'm excited to be able to, to have them on yeah. stage. You mentioned you, you, you threw out a phrase there that I really like Paley Fest favorites. Who are some of the, the uh, over the years, some of the Paley Fest favorites shows that, you know, kind of come uh, again and again that are requested again and again that folks are really into. Sure. Um, we had a real run with uh, community the Joel McHale show sure. that that was so beloved by its uh, fans at the time. We had them almost every year that the show was on just because there was such clamor from our audiences uh, to have them back. And we and we and they would always plan something inventive and and new. We did a table read, a live table read with the cast. Sometimes they introduced new characters. People would walk out on stage and, oh, they're joining the cast of, uh, of Community. And that's always exciting. That show the American Horror Story franchise gave us some incredible events. Obviously, that's kind of a different show every year, but the ensemble mm -hmm. of actors would, I mean, when you have Sarah Paulson and Jessica Lange and Angela Bassett and Kathy Bates on stage, it's going to be pretty magical uh, for the audience too, because they're having so much fun with it. So those, that, that show we, we had several times. As I mentioned, Riverdale is a big favorite. This Is Us has been... Mm -hmm. Well, can I, let me just talk a little bit about This Is Us and sure, Black yeah. and Blackish because they're both obviously series that are in, they're celebrating their final seasons. And it's it's heartening because we it's they're also series that we actually premiered at our fall festival before they aired. So mm -hmm. we did like some of the one of the first panels with both uh, This Is Us and Blackish. And um, I remember this, you know, we we ran the the pilot of This Is Us before before it was broadcast. And I remember the audience uh, just having that intake 
of breath at the end because they were so surprised at the twist in the ending that it was set up that it was going to be, you know, uh, time shifting throughout the show. And um, I was standing with Dan Fogelman, the creator of the show, in the back of the house when that actually, that moment actually happened. And he, and I, I could see him, you know, feel that reaction too. And that was, that was really fun. So to see- Was that the- was that the first time he had seen it with an audience? I think with 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 a or at least an audience that size. Yeah, yeah. or the public audience with an audience that wasn't like the the, the what <laughs> the audiences that generally would, would sure. come to you know a, an advanced screening. It was just real people, <laughs> so and they were getting it and loving it. And and Blackish, it was it was similar. The 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 laughs were so strong um, for that screening, and then and then, then that ensemble is. You know, when you get these people together, it's just it's just amazing. And, and to see, you know, the kids, we had these tiny little kids on the stage for that ball preview event. And now they're, you know, some of them have their own production companies and are and are, you know, <laughs> taking over television in their own right. Um, so to have been part of yeah. that history and then to be able to celebrate it on the way out and be a be part of it as well. Again, is it's really gratifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Blackish, as you mentioned, is in yeah, its, uh, its final a, season as well. Just an incredible show that's done. I mean, it's still at the top of its game. It you know harkens back to those uh, the the great Norman Lear shows and the way it's been able to uh, be topical and and have so much social commentary um, infused throughout so many of its um, episodes and done it with humor. And, I, and that humor is what always. Mm-hmm connects us and helps um, change the world. And Blackish, I think, has certainly done that. Yeah. All right. So what else? Uh, Cobra Kai is an interesting one here because this is a show that has kind of jumped around a little bit between uh, streaming services and has, I think, found a pretty pretty comfortable home on Netflix. And I, I do think a big part of the story of TV right now is business. I mean, yeah. there, there's the artistry, of course, but there's also the business of TV. And Cobra Kai is a really interesting case study in the business of TV as it exists right now. That's true. It's certainly a, a, a hugely popular franchise. I mean... Well, first of all, you would never think that this could actually happen, that, that you know, th- right. 30 plus years after uh, a movie franchise, that the original leads could come back and be in a television show that totally upends and, and, and creates something new out of, you know, a beloved movie franchise that's had several different iterations on the screen. But it, it's, it's totally new. It's totally charmed audiences and found a huge a huge audience obviously i think there's still the great nostalgia factor of seeing ralph uh, macchio and and uh, william zabka doing great work by the way just having a ball with what they're doing mm-hmm. um that that's a that's a big draw for this series but it has a huge following amongst a lot of uh, young people who love the younger actors on the show as well too yeah it's it's i'm happy to have them i did i was able to do an event with them outside of the festival that was really popular and to be able to bring them onto the stage is uh, exciting. Yeah, that's going to be a fun show. I do want to I, I want to ask get your take on again kind of the shifting landscape of the business because I mean in uh, you know since you have since you have been at the Paley Center I mean we've seen the rise of pay cable yeah. HBO FX and the rest we've seen now the rise of streaming with Netflix and HBO Max and Prime Video and and the rest and it is uh, it is it is kind of a weird situation where you have more we have more options than ever and at the same time it, it with such audience fragmentation it can be kind of hard to 
figure out what everybody's talking about, what everybody's watching and, and really is, is hitting the zeitgeist, if you will. Uh, that's very true. And, and it's not only true of television. I think it's obviously true of just the, the world and our culture in general being, being very fragmented and, and, and siloed. I think television in some ways breaks breaks through that, uh, and I think that's reflected in the and how broad the the lineup for the festival is. But um, well, there's there is so just so much content out there, so many shows to watch. When I when I first started working with the Pitta Center, as as you mentioned, and I just you know I hadn't even really thought about that how much just the landscape has changed and 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 the the different yeah. ways to experience television mainly still the broadcast shows and, you know, HBO and, and Showtime and some of the cable outlets that had, that had, uh, had big series, but streaming wasn't even, uh, wasn't even a blink. It, it was even, it was several years. It was yeah. about a decade later when, and Netflix was still sending DVDs out in the in little red packets in the mail. Who knew <laughs> that it could explode yeah. so quickly and that um, all of these, you know, content providers, studios and networks would have to adapt very fast to to what Netflix really made happen, and now everyone has some kind of streaming uh, platform, and the the, the you know, amazing amount of outlets there are for for content. It's a it's a golden age of television. There's some of the best television ever being produced, and uh, and a lot of it doesn't get seen just because there's so so much of it. Yeah. Um, but at the at at the festival, we're we're thrilled. To be able to to you know give shows that might not get all the uh, as much of the coverage as other shows give them a, give them yeah. a platform because they certainly merit it and their their audience certainly merits it. If you look at the the you know the ratings across television, you can see what an NCIS is is achieving and 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 it's it makes it a, a you know a viable a viable show for us to have. Yeah. I, I, let me ask, from your perspective as a programmer, is is it easier or harder now to program in terms of, look, you've got, there's there are more shows than ever to choose from. So there are more, there are more possible topics. At the same time, trying to find events that will appeal to ticket buying customers, yeah. to the members of the Paley Center, et cetera. Is it easier or harder now? It's hard. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's uh it's challenging and and it and it's obviously even more challenging when you add, you add the specter of the of the pandemic and you know people sure. you know adapted to what we were able to do at that time with the with you know virtual programs and then we're all still getting used to being able to 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 uh, be in person again so that adds a whole other layer of complexity um i i, I but i think because we've done this for so long and we have a track record, and um, I think that part of it. I have, I have confidence in in our team and our ability to 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 pick the shows that that folks want to see at the festival. Just because we don't take it lightly, we do obviously hear from feedback, and we try to program to that feedback while also keeping certain that we're also following our own mission to really celebrate, you know, creative excellence and what's happening in, on television right now so that mm -hmm. we can, because all those conversations that we do, besides being the live events that happens, we obviously tape all of them and they, they become part of this archive, which is the core of our mm -hmm. organization. We, you know, we preserve 160,000 television programs spanning the history of the medium. And along with those programs, we have this sort of visual and audio uh, record of the creators in the moment and the, and the stars and actors talking about 
how they made it happen. So that's that's also at the you know part of the mix of what makes us decide we want to do something is we also want to have that record to make sure we're creating this chronicle of television that you can step back from 50 years from now and say, oh, yeah. yes, that's why we uh, this show was so popular at the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with the Paley Center, obviously, but I know, you know, folks out there who listening might not be. Could you actually just, uh, I, I should have asked this way at the beginning, back at the beginning of the show, but uh, but could you just uh, describe a little bit about the Paley Center's mission and and what you guys are, uh, sure. you know, attempting to uh, do? As I mentioned before, we are a nonprofit organization, uh, basically uh, set up over almost almost 50 years ago now to uh, to celebrate television and to preserve its creative legacy. Uh, William S. Paley, uh, who was the founder of the CBS Television Network and CBS Radio, and it's such an extraordinary creative force in television uh, from its infancy, really, uh, founded us because he saw that nobody else was doing it. There was nobody, especially at the time, preserving the history of television, nobody thinking that it was something that needed to, that an art form that needed to, to be preserved. So he set up the, uh, the, the, it was called the Museum. Museum of Broadcasting was our first name. And then we uh, changed the Museum of Television and Radio for, for multiple years. And then became the Paley Center just to sort of reflect the changing media landscape. The fact that, that television wasn't only available on your TV set at home on the broadcast networks, but it was available in so many, uh, in so many ways. So it became the Paley Center for Media. At the core we, we is our archive. It's the largest publicly accessible archive of its kind. You can come over to the Paley Center um, in, uh, in New York and soon again in LA and view this extraordinary collection of television. And, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, if all, all TV is on, you know, you can see everything on YouTube or on some streaming channel, but you can't. You really can't. A huge part of yeah. uh, the legacy of TV isn't available anywhere else but the Paley Center. So we preserve that. And then across all of these years, we've hosted programs and festivals and exhibits and, and screenings at our locations that help us tell the story of television and also help us to, uh, to preserve its legacy. All the details are at our uh, you know, website, paleyfest.org Paley for the festival, but that connects you to the whole organization yep. as well too. And um, we'd love to have more members join us. It's what makes all this work possible. Yeah. And we should say uh, tickets are available now to the general public for PaleyFest. Uh, PaleyFest.org. Go there. You can yeah. you can I I, I uh, you can purchase individual days, right? As you don't have to buy the the whole festival package, right? Exactly. We have uh, passes that get you you know front row access to every event, and we have packages that combine three events together, or you can buy individual tickets and select a seat for the event that you want to come to. And everything's at PaleyFest.org. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, go to paleyfest.org, check it out. I think we actually talked to about all oh, we the one we did not we the one show we have not mentioned, Netflix's Emily in Paris. A phenomenon on television right now. They just got uh, you know two additional seasons just about a week ago. Uh it's air it well yeah. it's, I can't say it's airing right now. It just you know they they dropped their their <laughs> season uh just uh, just right. a couple of weeks ago. And it's one of those water cooler shows, if you can call them water cooler anymore, where the virtual water cooler people are talking about. Exactly. exactly. Show. And loving. And it's another one of those shows that we were, we premiered during, actually, that's, that's funny. I hadn't thought of it. We did it as part of the fall preview in the, in the virtual space. So I really think that this first, mm -hmm. um, this event that we're doing is probably going to be the first event that they've done 
with an audience, with a public audience of the show's fans. So I, that's going to be really fun to see their their reaction to uh, to, uh, to uh, 2,500 yeah. people at the Dolby Theater cheering <laughs> as they as they come on stage. <laughs> Well, that's great. I always like to end the show by asking if there's anything I should have asked, if there's anything uh, you want to tell folks about Paley Fest or the Paley Center in general or TV in general. I mean, anything any, any anything that you think folks should know that I uh, I failed to, to ask about? Well, Sonny, you're an excellent uh, host and you've asked very thorough questions. <laughs> um, uh, you know, in terms of the Paley Center, as I mentioned, we're a member-based community, nonprofit. I encourage folks to become a member and get access to these events throughout the year and to get the first chance to get tickets and really to help. If you love TV and, and want to help preserve its legacy, that's become a member where where our organization is as good as its membership. And we have a pretty great membership and we get to do lots of great events uh, in terms of the festival. We're going to have fun. We're all looking forward to the spring and to being uh, had to have the opportunity to 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 do something like this um, the way it's supposed to be done in person, and I think it's going to be really special. And I hope uh, I hope your 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 uh, listeners will will join us on this adventure and come to paleyfest.org for all the details. Paleyfest.org, go get your tickets if you're out in LA. Uh, it's a it's a fun time. I, like I said, I've I have never actually gotten to go, but I I do love the uh, YouTube clips that that I have seen afterwards. It's it is it looks like a really exciting uh, space to be in, and I'm glad everybody can get back in get back in there. Well, it would be more exciting, Sunny, if you made the trek out from you're in DC, right? <laughs> Oh, in Dallas. Okay, you're I'm closer. Dallas. I'm in Dallas now. I'm, I'm so I'm I'm closer. It's 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 a short flight. I'll 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 run it by my wife. I'll see if she can watch the kids for a couple uh, a couple days while I get out there. Uh, I am Sunny Bunch. I'm culture editor at the Bulwark. Uh, thanks again for joining me, Renee. I really appreciate it. And I will be back next week with another episode of the Bulwark Coast of Hollywood. See you guys then. Mm-hmm.